This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this is Yenzanat. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Yenzanat. This is episode 28, is it? We took a couple weeks off because of the COVID holiday, uh, where it's stay at home and get drunk. So that's what I did. How about you? I, as well, managed to do that. Uh, yeah, the Thanksgiving holiday went well. It was nice and quiet with just Holly and myself mm. with a small dinner rather than going through the, you know, five days of leftovers and finally getting sick of all the turkey and gluttony and everything. Uh, we had actually learned our lesson and only cooked up a small spread that allowed us to feel like gluttons that night and then finish off the last of the leftovers the next day. So yeah. it was perfect. Uh, nice and quiet. I took, you know, those couple of days off for the, you know, Thanksgiving Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, Black Friday, and then the actual weekend itself. And it was super wonderful not having to worry about work for those four days. I hear you. I too was on vacation and got to enjoy the finer things in life, which is not being stressed out at work. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. Did have Ricksgiving. It was a very condensed version of Ricksgiving where basically a couple of friends just came over and we drank and ate a bunch of shit. And we had a taste test for ketchup, which we will get to in another episode. We might, we, we will have to have Michelle on because, you know, I'm sick of her bugging me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we will have to have her on so uh, she could give her opinion of this ketchup because it's fancy ketchup, apparently. But it wasn't Heinz. But that's another story for another day. Fancy ketchup. So, yeah, holidays, you know, one holiday's over. We got a little bit of a stretch left of 2020, and I think we're all ready to let 2020 go. Although 2021 doesn't look that great anyway, because it's still 2020 plus one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's just not, it's, let's, let's, let's look forward to 2022 because <laughs> who doesn't like 2022? 22 is like my lucky number. So that, that's that. So let's just skip to 2022. That sounds good. But anyway, there's been some stuff that has happened while we were gone. One of them being uh, hockey's new retro jersey that, you know, for all the teams that they brought out and announced. I don't know about you. Some of them look good. Some of them not so good. I, I, I don't know about you, but I have them up so we can kind of discuss on some. Uh, let's just do a rundown of each team because like, why not? Because there's okay. not that many teams and, you know, I like hockey. So let's talk hockey. Sure. So, and, and, and Michelle doesn't like hockey or give a shit about hockey. So, you know, she could tune out for 10, 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> so, all right. First off, Anaheim Ducks. Do you have any thoughts on this hideous looking fucking jersey? <laughs> yeah, basically not a fan. I, I see where they were trying to go with it. Uh, harken back to the origins of the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim with kind of a cartoony mascot on the jersey itself. Based but, on a movie. Yeah, it uh, doesn't quite work for me. No. Not a fan. No, it's it's piss poor. It's like, let's let's phone this in. It was more of a fax. Yeah. They faxed it over. So Phoenix, Arizona, whatever. Yeah. Now that Taylor Hall is no longer on 
the Coyotes. My respect for that organization has raised only slightly because mm. the organization is still a piece of shit. But, but uh, isn't, isn't talk at the head coach? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I give him, I mean, look, he did us good for a while, you know, in the 90s and, and then like as, as a coach, you know, assistants and whatever. So, you know, he was here. He, he helped us win cups. So I can't fully, you know, hate him or anything like that. Well, not him. So fine. Like he is, I suppose, a fair apple and a barrel of rotten apples. However, mm -hmm. that barrel of rotten apples corrupts him simply by proximity. The organization is corrupt. They've performed illegal things uh, in order to screw over prospects and stuff. Um, they're, they're just shitbags. However, I do like the Kachina design. And they changed it up a little bit with this retro design. And I kind of like it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing those out on the ice. Not going to cheer for them, not going to support them, but that's one of the better ones of the reverse retro jerseys. Yeah. And I, I will just state that for me, I'm just specifically stating what I think of this jersey and not necessarily the whole of an organization because, you know, I'm a Pens fan. And, you know, I like Vancouver because I like them in the 90s with Pavel Bure. And, I mean, forever in my heart, the Hartford Whalers, you know. But other than that, like, most of these teams can suck it. So that's just, you know. Second or third one up, uh, Boston. Because, like, if you want to go first opinions, I'm like, fuck Boston. Fuck everything about them. Fuck them the fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay. But, you know, it's not a bad jersey. It's just, you know, it really, like, I don't mind it. But I don't. I don't care. Like, I don't care about them. So it's, it's just, it doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah. The B on the crest is for boring. <laughs> that redesign was so unbelievably low effort. It was like, Hey, let's take our current jerseys. And instead of black, let's just make it yellow. yellow. And that's it. That's it. Bland, boring, blah. Next. Okay. Buffalo Sabres. I will say I am very disappointed that they did not bring back the Buffa Slug because <laughs> how could you not like the Buffa Slug was iconic. It was great. I yeah. loved that Jersey simply because of the absurdity of it. So that's where Taylor Hall ended up. So I can't like it, but <laughs> uh, like on principle, wherever he yeah. goes, I can't cheer for. I could, it's not a bad redesign of that crest. Interesting. It's it hovers like just above average middle of the pack for me. It's not great. It's not one of the ones that I like, but there are plenty that are worse and points get docked because there's no buffer slug. I it's 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 cool, but I again, I don't really care about it. Like I, I'm not I will. I, I love hockey and I like jerseys and everything, but I would never be like, I like that jersey enough to buy it. Yeah, just not. Okay, so moving on, it's uh, the Calgary Flames, which it's just a big fucking horse with flames coming out of it. And I don't necessarily like how the stripes go, like on this that go around the the waist kind of go down to a point, it's like pointing to your dick. Yeah, I don't necessarily want an arrow pointing to my dick on a jersey Sit here. Yeah, so I mean, it's a black jersey. It, it, it honestly. It kind of reminds me a little bit of an older uh, Canucks jersey. Yeah. You know, 
So, I mean, I don't necessarily mind that, but like it, the logo sucks. So I, I meh, I give it a meh. I'm pretty much of the same mind of that. The charging stallion face on there. Okay. That's a little bit different than the flaming sea that cool change it up a little bit, but mm. yeah, it's the design is average. There's nothing that really stands out about it to me. The winner of the jerseys for me <laughs> is Carolina Hurricanes, which is the Hartford Whalers jersey. So that wins the internet. That wins it for me, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to end up being a hypocrite on this because there are a couple of those actual retro jerseys th- that are evocative of the previous teams, like the yeah. franchise's previous identities. And Carolina Hurricanes coming from the Hartford Whalers is one. I think very soon we're going to get to Colorado's as well. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really like the Whalers retro Jersey, but I like the Nordiques. And like I said, fully hypocritical. There's no evidence one way or another. I just yeah. think the styling of the new Nordiques retro look is good. While the Hartford Whalers was like, yeah, this is an easy handoff. Let's just, let's just use the Hartford Whalers Jersey and maybe change a color or two. So I like where they were going with it, like paying homage to their previous franchise, because despite the fact that it was right there near Boston and, you know, that whole Northeast corridor had a significant amount of competition, they had extremely passionate fans. They just couldn't uphold a franchise in that location. So when they moved, the Whalers, like you said, still have a significant following that followed Mm -hmm. them to Carolina. It's a nice nod to the past which is what the retro jerseys are all about. This one just didn't kind of resonate with me. I just love it because I miss, I miss the Hartford Whalers. I, I, I miss it. I've been to Hartford, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a gritty little town. I liked it. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm glad that it's there because I enjoy it. Uh, moving on, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, black jersey, like red kind of shoulder pad looking things. And then logo, eh, like, I don't really care about this. Yeah, it's it's the it's the old school logo going back to like the 60s style. And it was kind of a low effort design. It's it, this one ends up becoming the below average half where there's nothing spectacular about it. The design is like below meh. Yeah. Colorado Avalanche, which is the Nordiques, which I fucking love it. <laughs> That's number two for me. <laughs> like i i just love it i think it's a great fucking jersey uh the colors you know i just everything about it i just there's nothing not to like about it yeah i really like the nordiques design with the avalanche colors there's mm-hmm. something about it that does do that evocative referencing the past but bringing it to the current present day yeah. that they did very very well yeah so yeah, a little bit of a tangent. There's been a lot of brouhaha and bitching online about the retired numbers for these specific teams. Like the franchise no longer has those retired numbers, but there are unofficial retired numbers for Hartford and for Quebec. Those franchises never officially retired them or you know, maybe they did. I don't know. Was there anybody on the Atlanta Thrashers that deserved to have their number retired? Probably fucking not. But no. You know, the new teams, the new franchises, they have players with those numbers. So should they wear those numbers or not? I don't fucking care. Like that whole complaint 
they're a different team now. They're a different yeah. identity. They were rooted someplace and new teams. That specific Quebec Nordique logo and design with the fleur-de-lis and everything on there that was really, really cool looking in the Colorado Avalanche colors, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. Get me a McKinnon one like that. I'm on board. I, I You know what? If, if we ever place a, a, a jersey order ever again or whatever, that's one I would get because that's a great that's a great fucking jersey. Yep. Um, moving on, Columbus Blue Jackets. It's kind of like it's like a ribbon. It, it kind of reminds me of Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even with the the I mean the logo. I mean it's a hockey stick with a star on it. But the CB is like a ribbon, and it just, yeah, it, it, to me, it looks like Gem in the Holograms. Um, and it reminds me too much of a Capitals jersey, which I fucking hate. So, you know, I'm, no, bad, bad. Okay. I'll disagree with you on this. I kind of like it. it. It's not in my top five. It's probably not even in my top 10, but it's above average for the design for me. I kind of like where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will agree that it does border too closely on the Washington Capitals design and it has that reference even still I kind of like where they were going with it oh I know maybe if it was different colors the white and the red like that it just to me it just screams Capitals and I just yeah next up Dallas Stars which super boring yeah I mean could you I thought that was their jersey (laughs) that's how boring it fucking is yeah this one so the stripes if you're looking at it from above the stripes on the jersey looks like they draped a star over top of the person's head yeah and that's all the innovation they did like this designer super lazy yes you can barely see the crest on that jersey to know what team it is it's like those piss poor all white with yeah. like a pink stripe all-star jerseys that were a few years back that everybody was like, that is the dumbest look I've ever mm-hmm. seen on the ice because they blend in. All you see are like these green screen style bright pink stripes and you miss the entire player that's on the ice because uh, guess what? Underneath the ice is painted white so you can't see them. Mm-hmm. If that's what they're trying to do for the Dallas Stars is to camouflage them into the ice so you don't know where they're shooting from, Hey, gold star bunkies. But as far as looks, that's so lazy. Yeah, it's lazy. Uh, same with Detroit. Detroit is so fucking boring. It's like, okay, here's the red wing. That's all you get. We, we might, we might fucking spray paint some numbers on the side, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a boring fucking Jersey. Yeah. And, and then you go to the Oilers, the Oilers, it's, I thought that was their Jersey currently. It, right. There's nothing there. I mean, that, that is retro but they haven't changed their design in years anyway. Yeah. The bright orange ones that they have now, I'll be honest, I kind of like those because I'm a big fan of orange and it is orange with the uh, blue pauldrons yeah. and stuff. That looks good. They switch it up to make it just white. It, like you said, it's their current jersey. Yeah. With maybe a different striping motif to it. That's it. So, meh. Yeah, and then you go to the Panthers, Florida Panthers. It, I thought that was their jersey too. you know yeah that 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 is the old 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 jersey from like the 96 cup run so i like it because i like the pouncing panther look Mm -hmm. and it's a logo they still use just not on their jerseys so to see that come back i was thrilled like that one sits in my top five 
only because I love that logo. It's and a cool logo. I'm happy to see it back. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the design of the jersey is just kind of average, but the return of that logo caps it all off. Yeah. LA Kings. It's the the freaking purple, yellow, white. I, I'm just mad about it. I mean, I like the purple. The, the color is fine, but like, I don't know. It, it's just, I, I, again, it's a little lazy. I like the return of the purple. Like you had started to mention with the blue jackets. There's too much red, blue, and white. Every yes. team has something with red, blue, and white, even if their name is one of those colors, and we'll come to that very shortly. Mm-hmm. There's just too much of it. Every team has that. So going back to the retro royal purple for the Kings, absolutely. I'm very happy that they did that. Mm-hmm. The crest, there's not much of a change in design aside from the color scheme, the color scheme is enough to bump that into like above average for me. I yeah, would no, be it's, thrilled to see that color on the ice again. Yeah, I, I have no problem with what you just said. Like, exa- you know, I, I, I like the colors. It, the rest of it is just, it's it's nothing like, oh my God, I need to have this jersey. Yeah. The the Minnesota Wild, they their jersey is the Wild like logo, but it's, it's like outdoors it, it i don't know how to explain it yeah there there was only a very slight redesign to the existing crest they used the different color scheme and made the green a little bit more vibrant than mm-hmm. kind of the forest green that the current version is yeah but again it's like fully in that average space like uh all right uh good job i guess designers but it's not one that i would be beating down the doors to obtain well, I mean, it is kind of Minnesota North Stars type of color. Right. And that's what so, they were trying to evoke was yeah. that specific remembrance of that team. So of all of the jersey designs, this one represents the Minnesota Wild the best as a team mm-hmm. because the design is purely average. That team is purely average. Like there's nothing special about them. So there's nothing no. special about this jersey either. That's true. And then uh moving on to uh the Montreal Canadiens. Some of the hey, worst guess what? Fans. Blue. <laughs> some of the worst fans in hockey. Anyway, uh yeah, you know what? I don't mind the blue. I, I really don't. Looking at it, it's it's yeah, it's, it's a it's specific be- shade of like a navy blue that stands out from the rest of the kind of bolder blue mm-hmm. that a lot of teams have. And it actually does really look nice with the Habs crest on it. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it very it it does. It, it, it really kind of makes it pop. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of the team, but that jersey's not bad. Yeah. Uh, Nashville, nope. <laughs> yeah, there, no change. Like it's, it's the same Jersey that we beat in the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. There's nothing new about it. Yeah. Super and uh, yeah. New Jersey devils. It's the same, but it's green. Oh fuck. No. I love this one. This one, the fucking Christmas devils. I love Christmas. like that, that red and green color scheme. They have subdued that green so much over the years that you forget that they had these jerseys. And I know people complain and they laugh about those jerseys of like the early 90s when they had those kind of things. I fucking love it. The Christmas Devils, man. It is tis the season for Christmas Devils on the ice. And that red green color scheme, I fucking love it. You know, they are missing 
they're really missing the mark if they don't have an alternate jersey that has a little Santa hat on top of the devil's like the devil part of it. Right. Because it would fit so perfectly with it. I, I don't know. It's just that's they're missing the mark if they don't have that. Um the Islanders. No, that's they didn't have the Gordon's fishermen on there. I don't care what the redesign is. It's, it's garbage because it's, they don't have the Gordon's fishermen on. It, it's garbage, yeah. New York Rangers, garbage. Garbage. As as the team, yes. As the design, yes. It's the Lady Liberty on the crest. That's all that was changed. Full on meh. I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> I, you know, I'm glad that you got the number one pick and you're going to be happy for the, the next like 15, 20 years because you'll have like a decent hockey player on that team. But this jersey sucks. I'm sorry. Ottawa Senators, boring. Yeah, I mean, the black, I think, is is fine for the color scheme change, but it's no different. It's very little different than the current jersey, so it's not even worth talking about. Exactly. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Honestly, as a jersey, I don't, I, like, I, I don't have no issue with, with orange. I like the orange and black look. Honestly, it's not a bad jersey. I mean, I'll give, I'll give Philly a win for yeah, this. The the jersey looks sharp. The yeah. colors, the the design with the new colors. I mean, they're the same colors, but they're, they're placed just a little bit differently mm-hmm. with the striping and the pauldrons. I kind of like it. Yeah. And they didn't make the mistake that they did with their third jersey a couple of years back, where they made the numbers gold for some fucking reason. This jersey looks sharp. So. Yeah, it does. Then we have the Pittsburgh Penguins, which, you know, I I'm a fan of saying Pittsburgh down down the chest that i'm for the rest of it i, I mean i don't know it, it can grow on me i feel it can grow on me but i'm not in love with it full on boo for me full on you're in the right time frame chose the wrong jersey we, i didn't like these jerseys when they were the normal jerseys from the early 90s where it was the black jersey with those down the side mm-hmm. if you look at them side by side they fucked up the lettering, the font on the lettering, and I'm going to get into a little bit of my design uh, world here as well. Okay. The kerning, the changing, they fucked up that font by making it smaller and more compressed. It just looks bad. I wasn't a fan of this original design to begin with, and I'm even less of a fan of it now. Like I said, you're in the right time period. Use the fucking Robo Penguin. I, I don't, I don't like the pigeon. Oh, the pigeon. The pigeon. The pigeon was fucking great because it was, was so bad. terrible. It was so bad. It was good. <laughs> no, you're wrong. You're wrong. And, Your opinion's I mean, wrong. <laughs> I have. I have a Robo Pigeon uh, jersey with Frankie Larue's number on it and yeah. name on it. So I'm a little bit biased. So there, there are only a handful of choices you could go with the Penguins jersey. You can go with the powder blue monstrosity from the late 60s when they first became the uh, one of the expansion teams there. But they've already done that for their third or their um, mm-hmm. uh, winter classic jerseys. And I didn't like it then. So I'm not going to like it now. I don't like that look on the penguins. That powder blue. No, that crest. Terrible. So I, not I, did, I disagree with a lot of that because. I, I really love the fucking fat fucking penguin with the scarf. Okay. I think it's, I think it's a very cool, very classic look. You know, it, it reminds me of like the fifties or something because of like 
all not that I was there because I wasn't. I'm not that fucking old. Fuck you all. <laughs> I I just like how it has this like old time classic look. So I wish that they would like redo that and have that like penguin but in the the black jerseys and the normal color, you know, that's what I want. I want to have the scarf on there and have a black and gold scarf. That that would be cool. That design. Okay, so you've sold me on that. If the jersey was black or it had some kind of a black and gold motif like the jersey should and it used that crest on it, cool. I'm on board with that. Not as much as I would be with a Robo Penguin revival, but so much better than this diagonal horse shit that they just put out. It's fucking terrible. And no amount of internet kvetching is going to change my mind on it because okay. it's fucking terrible. Okay. Uh, San Jose Sharks. Now I'm going to go back to the nineties when they first came out. I was a, a fan of the expansion. I want, I was, I had a, I had a San Jose Jersey before they even had a team. So I love the whole classic triangle trying to be the penguins because we were awesome back then and now but well more so then uh so you know i like that whole triangle look and the shark you know with the stick between the teeth you know i like that i think it's interesting color like like where they place the colors you know just the design so it i don't hate it but i don't love it but i love that logo yeah this one sits slightly above average for me as well i like it but not enough to really comment too much on it so uh, yeah, uh, St. Louis Blues, which looking at the jersey now, I don't like the colors. I don't like, okay, I have a Pearl Jam poster that is the St. Louis Blues colors, but it's, it, it was, um, the design of it was Popeye, the Sailor Man, you know, and it's just like, why the fuck would I want a poster with Popeye on it in this fucking colors? It's, it's horrible, okay? These colors are fucking horrible. I'm sorry. I know that there's people out there that like St. Louis Blues, and with, I don't have – I was happy when they won, but, like, this – I don't like this at all. I kind of feel that they should have done something. If you're going to have these fucking stupid lines going across, they should have had it where it's actually, like, a fucking – like on the like bar for like, you know, like writing music or something, you know, you have notes or something to make it like more interesting to me. That's just fucking boring and ugly. Yeah. That's what I was talking about earlier with the primary colors of red and blue. And, mm -hmm. you know, your name is a specific color. The major color for the St. Louis blues is red for this Jersey. Uh, why? Th that's my one question. Why? Cause it looks terrible. There's no other imagery on there or design work, like you said, that will evoke those thoughts of blues music. No, this is not even lazy design. This is actively detrimental shitty design. I mean, if it wasn't yellow in the like accent areas, if it was white or if it was black, it might be a different jersey for me. But the way that it is right now with that yellow, it's fucking hideous. Yeah, and then this and, one sits like below even the Bruins one, which was just super lazy, and the Anaheim Ducks, which is silly. I, silly for silly sake is fine. It just didn't resonate. This one, the St. Louis Blues, I think actively sits in last place for me because it's that bad. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably number – how many teams are there? 32, 33 now? Uh, Tampa Bay, it looks like – any normal Tampa Bay lightning Jersey I've ever seen. It's boring as fuck. Yep. 
Boring next. Maple Leafs, boring. Boring next. Canucks. Okay. I don't mind that, you know, whale breaking out, you know, sea crest, whatever. But to me, it just in this picture alone, it looks like a bat in a way, like the way that the, the colors like fall on the jersey. So to me, it means like I just see her just like f- flying away. So I don't necessarily like that. I got to go with this one sits in my top three really? because of the gradient. Yeah. And it's so points were deducted because they made a bold choice with the gradients, mm-hmm. but they missed the boat on reminiscing about the old school black and like orange, the neon yeah. tubing crest that they had that again, Pavel Bury made super famous because he was spectacular. I liked that era of the Canucks and they could have focused on that, but they did something with the, uh, the gradient here that in accordance with kind of a retro theme reminds me a little bit of those like nineties purple and blue and teal abstract colors on like your Dixie cups and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So like, if you want to go retro, that's a way to go. Like Mm -hmm. the, the, red frosted cups from pizza hut like the nostalgia shit that we're talking about constantly on this podcast those purple and blue light blue cups and just decorations that meant absolutely nothing but were everywhere from the early 90s which mm-hmm. was my fucking heyday yeah this gradient design harkens back to that a little bit and it over that nostalgia overcomes whatever other kind of criticisms i can have from it so yeah, it sits in my top three. I really like it, despite the crest that's there. The gradient isn't bad. I kind of do enjoy that. I think it's the only one that did a gradient like that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, which it's a red, black, and gold jersey. Yeah, um, re- retro for a team that has only exist for like three years. Yes. You know what? It's not bad. I, I, it's, I think it's a little bit too red for me. But, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like where the, you know, the design is on the arms, how it's like gray, black, like red, then gray, gold, black. I kind of like that. That's kind of sharp. Yeah. I mean, I like the jersey. I didn't do a, a lot of research besides what they put on the NHL website. But the idea behind this, you know, obviously the Golden Knights don't have much to be retro about because, like I said, they've only existed for a few years. Yeah. But this is intended to emphasize the minor league teams that have been there forever. And like Manon Rayum, who was a mm-hmm. stellar goaltender, the first female goaltender in the NHL, the first female player in the NHL. So it was trying to uh, bring that to the forefront by spotlighting. Those were the teams that were there before. Those were the teams that paved the way for yeah. the Golden Knights to actually exist. So cool beans. Like they're the one of the few teams that actually harken back to a previous team and use their colors or logos or whatever and they did it in a neat way to spotlight something else so yeah yeah, i mean as a as a design okay it's it's cool and all the story and the meaning behind it i think is what elevates it a little bit yeah i agree uh washington capitals i didn't like that logo before uh it's I, i mean i get it you're Washington Capitals, so you need to be red, white, and blue. But I'm so sick of those colors. 
on yeah. sports teams. So again, um, just, yeah, it's retro, but I also don't give a shit. And the Winnipeg Jets, I like it. I like the Winnipeg Jets. I think the the gray color choice there is really cool with the the white stripes and the black uh, or the um, blue uh, arms. I, I I like that. I think I, that would be top five for me. Yeah, the color change was nice. The design, not so much, but the color, I think, elevates it more yeah. than any criticism that I would have about it. Yeah. I agree. The gray is pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. I would, yeah, I would get that. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. Um, Seattle didn't have a throwback jersey because... Um, they don't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, well, they exist. They just don't have a team. But I'm excited for them. I like the way that their jerseys look. Uh, I think the, the design is cool. I like the logo and um, they're partnering with Kraken rum, which is one of my favorite rums. And I like to drink that a lot. So send us free shit. So yeah, I, it, it's, I, I'm happy that Seattle's got a team. Uh, I like Seattle a lot. One of my favorite bands is from there. So I really enjoyed them getting into the league, which brings us up to our next topic out in Seattle. There is a museum called Mopop which is it's modern and popular, you know, art. It's, it's a really cool place. If you've ever gone there, uh, I was able to get out there when I saw Pearl Jam in 2018 and Pearl Jam has a exhibit out there and it's really cool. There was a lot of stuff there for like science fiction movies, like horror movies, a lot of things in pop culture. And it's, it's a really cool place. Definitely, if you ever get a chance to go there, go out to Seattle, please go there. And also go donate money to them because, you know, times are tough with the COVID and, you know, support the arts. So they had an award. They have an award every year um, called the Founders Award. And this year's artist was Alice in Chains, which Alice in Chains really influenced me in a lot of ways i don't know i i know that you were pretty big into into them as well so i mean it's you know one of my favorite bands growing up and they are still in my top 10 i would say of artists all time so they were being honored with this founders award and they had a lot of different artists cover their songs and a little bit of history about the band and just seeing the type of family atmosphere that Seattle sound had at that time. Cause I mean, a lot of places, bands, you know, are really competing, but there it's, it's, it was more of a family and it was really cool. And uh, I watched it. Did you, did you watch it all? I watched most of it. There were a couple of cuts on YouTube where mm-hmm. they would show the highlights, which were mostly the various covers. They basically took it down from like a two and a half hour presentation to just over an hour or so. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I missed a whole lot of the intricacies about the history and the interplay of the bands, but I saw the stuff that I was there for really. Uh, One, uh, well, there's, there's a bunch that, that really uh, stood out from others. And there were some that were just, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, um, There there were a couple fucking clown shoe performances. Yes. One, one of my, okay. I would say for one, corn played wood which I thought was phenomenal. I thought it was a great job. I think corn is kind of underappreciated in a lot of ways because people just, I don't think a lot of people give them enough credit, but I, they've been putting out albums for forever. 
and they still put out good music. I, I mean, I still listen to them today, not every day, but you know, I listen to them. So uh, yeah, they're, they're I still, like you said, there's still a little bit of a stigma around them because of the kind of proximity with Limp Biscuit. Mm-hmm. And I only say that because they didn't, they didn't play the same kind of music, but the music was similar enough that popular radio jammed them together as yeah. like, this is the same type of music. So that Limp Biscuit stench kind of gets on them a little bit mm-hmm. by proximity. They've got good music. Um, so yeah, this specific cover I've mentioned before, I'm a very big stickler for the vocals and wood is my absolute favorite Alice in Chains song. Yeah, um, there are three, but that one is like the pinnacle of that triumvirate for me. And What's the other two? Rain when I die. Awesome song. Yeah, love that one. And um, fucking blanking on it now. What album? We stay away. And that one mainly because again the nostalgia of the video with the claymation kind of puppets. I love that one. Yeah. Um, and and the cinematography of that video when videos were still a thing. So, uh, but wood tops for me and it's very, very difficult for me to accept covers that don't sound like it because that's about as close to perfection as a song can get for me. So all that said and done, Korn had a very good rendition of it. Jonathan Davis just doesn't have the voice. I get it. Super subjective. And I'm nitpicking on this because their performance was spectacular he's just going up against a standard that I hold that is insurmountable. So I'm kind of being a little unfair there. Yeah. And it's hard to replace lane. Right. I, I mean, it, it's hard to replicate that. So, so having, you know, somebody come in and, and do an interpretation and I, you know, I mean, he doesn't have the voice that lane had, he has a different style and everything, but I think for his style and everything, how he did it, I think it was very well done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I agree. Like I said, I'm I'm so picking nits here and being yeah. just a, a bitch face about it because, like I said, Lane Staley for that song is the pinnacle. Nobody is going to live up to him, but that was a very good cover. Yes. Uh, another highlight for me was Fishbone did Them Bones. And I'm not the biggest Fishbone fan, but I do enjoy them. Them. I've seen them live at least once, maybe twice. Uh, they put on a great show. And Them Bones is a great fucking, like, like right out of the box, throw it in your face, you know, type of song. And I think they did a great, great rendition. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed their rendition of it. I liked that cover of it. I liked what they did and they made it their own. And who knows? Little disclaimer, it might have been staged because it was a video for it, but it seemed watching their performance of it that they thoroughly enjoyed what they were doing so that makes it a little bit better when you're watching a band play a song there could be a tangible difference if you can tell that they're really enjoying playing this song rather than you're just playing it you know and that video for fishbone looked like they were having a blast playing the song like they were loving being there so it made it better because i enjoyed their enjoyment yeah, they 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 looked like they absolutely loved exactly what they were doing at that moment, and and that you know that came through. Yeah. Um, another one which 
I, I, I didn't write down the song and I can't remember what it was, but the one Corey Taylor did with Taylor Hawkins, Dave, Dave Navarro and the bass player from Jane's Addiction, which I don't remember his name. I apologize. Do you remember what song they sang? Uh, no, but I do remember seeing it and was like, oh, okay, that's okay. It was so memorable. We, we remembered the song title. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I remembered I remembered Corey Taylor sang a song there and I remembered watching him sing a song there. But aside from it just being there, like, and I'll tell you why it's not memorable because they didn't make it their own. They just played the song, which is, which is fine for a cover. And again, totally throwing up my hypocrite flag here because I have admitted that years ago I would go to concerts and i would bitch about them playing a song differently than it was on the record yeah Corey taylor and that super group did just what i wanted 15 years ago not right now they didn't make it their own like fishbone made that song their own oh so it wasn't memorable for me it was like oh, okay he's singing a song cool all right okay it was man in the box <laughs> i had i was trying to look it up um yeah okay i like Corey taylor when I, I when I wrote this down, I enjoyed what they were doing, I, and I, I love I love Slipknot. I think Slipknot's fucking fantastic. Uh, I've seen them live a couple of times. Highly recommend seeing them. And um, Taylor Hawkins, uh, you know, Foo Fighters. I mean, they're again great bands to go see live. So I mean, I they did a good job. I just you know, yeah, perfectly passable job. Good uh, homage with the cover. Just like for you and me. Mm -hmm. Not so memorable. It just was, yeah. which is cool, uh, but just not what I was looking for. Yeah. Mastodon did again, which I, I really enjoyed. I, yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of a little bit taken aback just by, I'm thinking Mastodon's covering Alice in Chains. That's not necessarily the song that I would think for them to cover. Okay. Which song would you think they would cover? <sighs> <laughs> That's a good question, which I am not read, readily prepared to answer. So right off the top of my head, there would be two that I think that I would like to hear them play. Whether they would play it or not, I would love to hear them play. Obviously, I want to hear their uh, rendition of Wood because I love that song. But I also think they would kick ass at Rooster. Yeah, Rooster would be a good, a good one to do. But yeah, this one was, I think they made it their own in a very subtle way. And it was kind of the shared vocals around it. Each each one of them, except for Billy, uh, Billy Butterslacks didn't have even a microphone ready for him, so he wasn't singing at all, which was funny. No. But the other three had parts, and they each sung, depending on what part of the register that Lane was singing in at the time. And they sludged down the music, but kicked up the tempo, which I think was really really neat. Like they dropped a lot of the yeah. tone, but sped it up. And it made this weird kind of dichotomy, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I, I agree. But okay, thinking about it, I think something cool that would to be like, okay, if they did We Die Young, because that's, I could see them like taking turns singing and then, you know, harmonizing some guitar on that. And I think that would be a cool thing for them to do. But I mean, anything down in a hole would be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm just thinking, okay, who could be doing vocals? You know, I think Troy doing vocals on that would be kind of cool. 
that would be really cool to have a switch off between Troy and Brent. Yeah. That song back and forth, which would be entertaining because I like a lot of Macedon songs where they do just that. Yeah. I love Bran as a vocalist and he's coming into his own, especially Mm -hmm. with the most recent couple of albums. But I really enjoy that difference between Troy and Brent because they have such different tones. Yeah. And when they either do kind of a, an overlap harmony or they each take one does chorus, one does verse, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. It adds some kind of dynamics to the song. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Kim Fa- Kim Fail from Soundgarden, Christ Christ Novoselic from uh, Nirvana, and whatever other fucking band he's in. They did a song called Drone. It, I, I love Soundgarden. Nirvana, eh? They were okay. Honestly, I didn't even remember the fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it was whatever. Uh, Lily Cornell Silver did Black Gives Way to Blue, which I I thought was Honestly, I got teary-eyed listening to that because everything that she's had to go through with, you know, her dad dying and everything. And then members of Soundgarden, Ted Doyle, Mike McCready, Megan Grandel did Angry Chair, which I thought was good. It was good. Uh, you know, Metallica, Metallica. Yeah, we're not going to, this is the fucking clown shoes one. Let's not talk about this. Aside from Kirk Hammett looked like he wanted to be anywhere else except for playing guitar for this song. It was fucking embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Metallica, they, they, that was a bad fucking showing. It was bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Okay. And so the, there was a guy and I'm missing his name on it. But he did a cover of Rain When I Die. And like I said, when we were talking about making the song your own, he did it basically acoustic. It was, a, it, it was City in Color, the band. It was guy, the one guy from there or whatever. Okay. Yeah, it, it was like an acoustic set. And he ended up singing it, just you know, playing guitar. And he had a higher pitched voice. Mm-hmm. And like that one was so out of left field as far as like making it his own that it sounded great. And I really, really liked what he did with it. Yeah. So I was like in the middle of all of these other performances where, you know, they, they either tried to play the song as it was, or a little bit of a twist on there. He like, he took it and basically fucking Fiona appled it. You know, I, I basically, I have just coined Fiona appling as a verb. <laughs> so you've heard it here first folks. Yeah. Um, because that just sounded funny to me, but he had Fiona appled it and it sounded fucking great. So I really enjoyed that rendition of it. And it seems like that's one of the understated ones because it doesn't fit into the way that I don't know, the image that Allison Chains had or the other groups of bands that were playing the songs and covering the songs there played their renditions. Yeah. But it stood out. It was spectacular. Well, I mean, when it comes to Alice in Chains, I mean, one of my favorite songs is uh, Whale and Wasp. It, it, it's just such a beautifully written, ma- like, it's a masterpiece to me because it's just, it's so amazing. And it, it's just simple, but whatever. Anyway, I was happy that they got the award, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an honor and I wish them all the best. Thank you for making wonderful music for 30 some years. So we got that year of year of review 
from Spotify. Did you get yours? I don't use Spotify enough to actually oh. get one that's relevant. Okay. You don't, does Amazon do anything for you? If it did, they had redesigned their application. It's fucking terrible. And as soon as my subscription runs out, I'm abandoning Amazon for Spotify because it's that bad. Long story short, no, they don't do anything that I have seen as far as what your top bands were for that year. Not like Spotify yeah. does where they shove it in your face and everybody has to talk about how big of a fan they are of different bands. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Well, this year for me was listening to mostly the band Royale because that's basically the band that I've listened to every day for this past this past year. I, there hasn't a day that has gone by that I haven't listened to one of their songs. So that was number one for me. So I discovered 582 new artists this year, which that's kind of fucked up. You know, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, there's, there's less days in a year. So, well, I mean, we did do a lot of the discover weekly topics for this podcast. So yeah, yeah, you were listening to a bunch of new different bands because of that. Yeah. So for me, I listened to 551 genres this year including 172 new ones, which I didn't know I could, I, I didn't know there, there were that many genres. And then there, to there listen aren't. to. to there there listen. aren't really. Yeah. I don't know. No, it, it is. It is a bunch of elitist wankery, like dream theater style wankery of no, this song that sounds exactly like this song. No, this is slime metal versus sludge metal versus drudge metal versus you know, whatever. And whoever decides that they're going to categorize these specific songs into these categories were like it's two bands or two groups <laughs> that are part of this genre so th- that fucking irrelevant yeah um so my top genres were number one rock number two modern alternative number three progressive hard rock oh progressive post hard hardcore rock whatever number four cool jazz and number five instrumental math rock <laughs> Yeah. One of the songs that helped me get through it all was Loose Lips Sinks Ships by the band Royale. I highly recommend listening to that song and that band. That album is fucking awesome. Uh, But yeah, I've listened to that a lot. I listened to it 318 times, apparently. But the thing is, I swear I listened to it a lot more than that. So I don't think it really... Yeah, technology doesn't lie. If they post it on the internet, it has to be true. Otherwise, why would they post it on the internet? No. Well, my top five songs are all from that album. So that just gives you an indication on how much I've listened to it. Loose Lips, Sink Ships, and Surf Kings. Those are fucking fantastic songs. Go listen to them. You're welcome. Send us free shit. <laughs> I, I, need some, I need a Band Royale t-shirt. The one with the Loose Lips, Sink Ships logo on it. Please and thank you. Oh, my biggest podcast binge listen was Failures and Fakes, which, you know, they gave us a shout out, you know, earlier this, earlier in our podcast career. And um, so that's good. You know, thank you. And I need to get caught up because I'm not caught up. I've, I've been so busy. I haven't listened to a lot of podcasting. Yeah, my podcasting, as a slight aside here, my podcast listening has dropped immensely as well because... I had spent most of the time while I was listening to podcasts in the pool in the evenings, and now it was too cold for that. Mm-hmm. 
since I have signed up for online classes and things like that, a lot of the other free time that I would be spending listening to podcasts or watching cartoons on Hulu uh, is spent actually trying to learn shit. Yeah. But I swear I'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. I swear, swear, totally. Yeah. So I, yeah, the top artist that I listened to this year was Loose Lips Sink Ships. And I spent over 9,560 li- minutes listening to their music. That's uh, a lot of minutes. Yeah. I listened to 1,824 artists this year. My top five artists are for this year was the Band Royale, Incubus, Pearl Jam, He Is Legend. And this one is the one that got me. This one, I was like, who the fuck is this? Okay. It's Ashley Star- Simpson. No. Stardust Miley Vibes. Stardust Vibes. Okay. What is Stardust Vibes, you ask? I well, ask. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when I go to sleep, I'll put on some music or, you know, it's lately it's been soft autumn jazz, which I put on and it sounds like Christmas jazz in a way, but it's, it's like slow and it's like horny, you know, it's just like boom, boom. Horny music. Sure. Oh, different horny music. Okay. No, no horns, (laughs) actual horns. Okay. Oh, not, not ones on your head, you know? No, you gotta, you gotta specify. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board okay. now. But for a while, I was listening to thunderstorms and, you know, rainforest shit. So I listened to it so much that it was number five on my list. <laughs> I, I like doing that in, in the house, you know, especially because I have technology set up where I can have all the speakers and all the rooms going at the same time. I listen to a lot of that, you know, at the same, you know, in the house. So it's like, I'm going to the basement. I can listen there. I can go in the kitchen. There's one there in the dining room, living room, kitchen, blah, 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 whatever. And, and so overall, I listened to 86,830 minutes of music on Spotify, which I thought, you know, looking at it, it, it was a lot. But then I looked at some of the other people's, I, there was people that had like 270 some thousand you know, and I'm like, yeah, Holy but they're shit. fucking cheaters. They just, they just yeah. leave Spotify running overnight while they're sleeping. So it doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, Cheating yeah. bastards. <laughs> it's a competition, you know? Well, uh, how about you? Do you have any favorites that you want to talk about for this year? Uh, probably the ones that I have listened to the most, and they're not specifically this year. Two of them are, they were recent releases and that was uh, Sabaton's The Great War. Mm-hmm which I listened to a shit ton. And if I did listen to it on Spotify, I'm sure that would have shown up as number one. Lacuna Coil's Black Anima was a second one that I had listened to quite a bit as well. I think way back in one of the very early podcasts, I had mentioned that, you know, those were some that I had listened to as they were brand new. And Mm. I wasn't fully sold on the Lacuna Coil release. And I had mentioned that, that, that's happened in the past where at some point I've listened to an album didn't really stick with me. And then I came back to it and listened to it a bunch more and it grew on me. That happened again here to no one's surprise, especially my own where I dedicated listening to it while I was working and it grew on me and I really, really enjoyed it. So those two kind of stood out, um, unleash the archers again, another band that I have spoken about and glowing reviews because I love them. Yes. Their latest uh, has been spectacular and I've listened to that one a bunch. So 
Uh, and then the one that I was talking about that I probably wasn't this year release was the Van Canto one. Cause that was a very pleasant surprise mm-hmm. coming out of the one successful discover weekly that I actually had. I enjoyed them and I was going back through their back catalog and even songs that weren't covers, their original music was really good. So I've listened to a bunch of that. Other, other things that I, I would like to highlight would be uh, a band called Caverns, which I don't even know if they're still a band anymore, but they, they have a couple like EPs out, out there on Spotify and I really enjoyed their music. Uh, a band called By Curious. Uh, there was a band called Alpha Male Tea Party, which is a great fucking band. Don't forget Head Cave. Head Cave. Head Cave. Yes. Head Cave. Absolutely. Not, not Cave Head. Don't go looking for Cave Head. No. Look for Head Cave. Yes. I learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's um, Tides from Nebula. Tides from Nebula is, is a nice instrumental type of music. Honestly, recently I've started listening to some other things that have come up because sometimes when I'm at home, I'll put on YouTube and I'll put on a music video, like I'll play Mastodon and then it will play a playlist of Mastodon and a bunch of other uh, musicians. And some things I like, some things I don't, but uh, a band, another band that came up would be Half Alive, which you're not going to like their music. So I'm just telling this for the audience. Uh, they have a ha, or half alive, yeah, and the and the song is called "Still Feel." It's a it, it remind they remind me of Jamiroquai in a way. So so that's kind of why I kind of got into them a little bit. And another one recently called "Feed Me Jack," which I would say that they're a little bit like math rock in a way, but they're kind of punkish, I guess. But I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. But they they have a song called "Rosies." which I really enjoyed and the rest of their stuff I like too. So just that's it. Punk gent. That actually sounds intriguing. It, it, it I could be mis- mistaken, like mis mislabeling them. I hate putting labels on stuff. Yeah. But, well, like we just said a lot of those labels are fucking irrelevant anyway, but yeah. that specific label sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So, so it's, I don't know that, that song isn't exactly punkish, but like it, I don't know. It's it's good stuff. I I enjoy it. I'm I'm hoping 2021 is the year of new music because no one has done shit for this entire year. There hasn't been touring. There's no fucking excuses. Yeah, there was a lot of time to spend time with your family. We get it, but we need new music. We don't have enough. So fucking next year. You know, thank you, scientist. He is legend. Fucking Pearl Jam. Fucking release. What is it? Release the archer or unleash the archers. Un- unleash the archers. I always get that wrong. And like all the, you know, head cave, not cave head. Cave <laughs> not head cave can sit fuck back and not release music ever again. But head cave, yes. You know, all these bands. There, it there's there better be new music every fucking week from a new band because it's. There's so much, nothing going on right now. Next year, it needs to be fucking all music, all fucking year. There you go. And that's official. Andy has just called out all of those bands. I'm writing it down too. It's official. (laughs) Well, let's give Unleash the Archers a pass because they just put one out. So they can go to like Q3, Q4. We'll give them a pass. Oh, I'm I'm saying it, it will be this year or next year it'll be 2021 at some point in time in 2021 we better hear new fucking 
unleash the archers, okay? I don't care if you just released one. You got more. Come on, do it. All right, so so it's a serious call out now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in in Band Royale, I know you're working on new music, so I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. But yeah, you know, we really need new music. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, More music from my favorite bands can't be anything but good. Yeah. And, you know, we got new Xbox, new PlayStation, got new video games. I'm, I'm playing Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. They finally fixed the patch for Valhalla so I can actually play it now because it was stuck and I was at this point where you go and do something and then people don't do what they're supposed to do for me to, you know, move the story forward so I can actually play the game. So I would just sit in there like, do, 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 do. Like, I'm not playing this until they fix it. And they finally fixed it. So, yeah. Well, you know what? This was good. I, I missed talking to you doing this, you know, for the couple of weeks that we were on sabbatical, but it was good to get back and do this again. Absolutely. Just pick a couple of topics, go random on it. It's what it's all about. Yeah. And it's fun. And I only had one drink because I only had a little bit of time because I couldn't find my adapter because I cleaned so well for Rick's giving that I put shit away where I didn't even know where I put it away. So I lost a bunch of shit. And so I found the things I needed to make the podcast, but I didn't find everything I need. So fuck me. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Don't Just clean. Don't ever clean. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I clean less because I have robot vacuums. That's right. It, well, as long as they're obedient, then you're good. Once yes. the robot uprising happens, then, then you're fucked. Like your entire house is going to be ground zero for Skynet. It's, it's true. It's possible. It can happen. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's going to be like, oh, the, the nuclear codes and the supercomputers. No, it's just a technology enthusiast who just leaves all of the technology in his house to run rampant. That's going to create the botnet that becomes Skynet. And it's all because of you. So thank you. You bring us Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Goodbye, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing that came up this week, uh, how do you feel about HBO Max with their deal with, was it Warner or whoever? Warner Brothers, yeah. So... I fucking called it. Uh, that whole spiel, unfortunately, was cut for time. Mm -hmm. That was during the end of our podcast with guest star Mike Deer, where we started to talk about that. But it was at the end of a two and a half hour session, and we needed to just, just cut everything. Yes. But during Deep that cuts. time, I had called that movies are going to be going through the same thing that music did when everything started to go digital, mm -hmm. where you had the RIAA bitching about how, you know, Napster was taking away profits because I couldn't buy, as a record executive, I couldn't buy my fourth yacht because people were pirating songs, blah, blah, whatever. Fuck the rich. Now it's happening with movies because the previous distribution process isn't feasible anymore. First off, movie theaters were closing down to begin with because they were not making profits enough to justify the wasted real estate space. Now, even fewer people are going there. And in fact, most of them are still shut down or have significant 
uh, conditions on attending where it's just not profitable anyway. So somebody has to be the revolutionary and take those first steps into the digital distribution. And we saw that with Bill and Ted, the latest one where they released it online rather than in the theaters. And the point of that discussion that we had that unfortunately got cut for time was that it's not profitable. We're not going to be seeing the giant tentpole movies anymore because movies are a business. They want investors want to have a return on their money. So when they put a hundred million dollars into a movie, they expect four or five, six billion backs, like a significant return on investment. And if their return on investment due to the digital distribution isn't going to be uh, as lucrative as it has in the past, there's going to be budget cuts. Those giant blockbuster tentpole movies are going to be scaled back somehow, be that CGI, be that actor salaries, be that supporting cast salaries or union salaries. Like there's a whole cascade of domino effects that could happen to this. We don't know yet, but those first steps have been taken by Warner Brothers saying, okay, we're still going to release in theaters. Yeah. But because that's not as profitable as it was, let's experiment by putting it on HBO Max and getting some of our revenue there. They're the first ones and early adopters usually get burned, but they're trailblazers. So we'll see if this is successful. Where does it go from here? I think we're seeing a new paradigm in how movies are going to be distributed where I'm thrilled or I don't have to go out to a movie theater and sit in a closed box with a bunch of other people to watch a movie I want to watch on opening weekend. Yeah. But I think along with what you're saying, there's also a part of it with technology, for example, like the Mandalorian, how they're making a TV show in the star Wars universe and they're doing it with, you know, just, I, I can't, I think it's called, they call it the wall or something. And it's just how they, they basically have the stage and it's just, the stage is surrounded by all these these screens, these TV screens. They're shooting it mostly, like almost entirely on a soundstage with these screens. But the way that the reflections and everything's coming off of these screens, it's as if they're in this place and they're using a game engine to shoot it. So they have, so it's kind of like they're using VR as well when, when doing a lot of this stuff. It's it's really interesting. I've been watching the behind the scenes from season one of The Mandalorian and just seeing how they're able to do that with this new technology. And so they're just on a soundstage, but it looks like they're in the fucking Tatooine des desert, you know, and it it's done so well. It You can't tell the you can't tell that they're not there. You know, the, there was one scene, I think, in season two that I saw and it's like, OK, that one, it looks like it's a little little CGI-ish, but like other than that, it's all looked real to me. So I think a lot of studios moving forward, instead of going to locations, are just going to invest in a lot of these like large sound stages with, you know, this, this technology. Because I mean, if the technology is already there, you just like rent it or whatever, it's, it's probably going to be a lot cheaper, you know, than going to Rome to shoot there or like, you know, other places. So I, I think that where, yeah, they're not making millions of dollars with the, the way that they used to, where like you go to the movie and you have to wait like six months until it's released digitally, you know, digitally or, or like actual copy with, with the technology they're they're able to spend less than they would, you know, so like a, 
like I know Avatar, the new ones are costing like, you know, gazillions of dollars. So that's a bad example, but like, you know, some of these movies can get away with like a lower budget, just having this technology rather than, you know, doing things the old school way. There would be the initial overhead of purchasing the technology, but once you have it, you have it. Mm -hmm. And instead of sending crews and actors and everyone out to like Dubrovnik or like you said, Rome or Helsinki or wherever to film a couple of scenes, moving those people back and forth with all of the insurance that's dealing with that and the expenses and the daily per diems and all that, that stuff goes away. Yeah. Sure. Maybe a lot of that is sucked up in the initial overhead of purchasing and getting that technology up and running. It's the very early phases. And people are going to be experimenting with that to see if it works. And if it does, yeah, we're going to see a different shift of how movies are made. If you can't do something the way it always has been done, you still want to do that something. It's just going to be done in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting that, you know, we're going to be able to get some of these movies day one and watch them at home. Yeah, it was interesting with Bill and Ted, which it was a it was a big movie, but it's not like blockbuster type of movie. You know, it's more nostalgia, you know, but I mean, something where the Matrix 4 coming out and day one, you can watch it at home. That's pretty fucking badass. Yeah. You know, and I get it. I mean, there's there's still going to be the difference between sitting in a theater and having your eardrums blown out by THX. Mm -hmm. And sitting at home and watching it on even the largest screen you might think to have in your home with the surround sound, there's a difference. And it's an order of magnitude difference there. There are some scenes that I saw in the theater that I don't know that I could replicate sitting at home, watching it on my TV. Yeah. But I can pause that and get up and take a piss without having to worry about missing major plot points where I don't have that control in the theater. And I don't have to sit around with, some screaming toddler who shouldn't be there anyway. Yeah. I I mean, I like the movie going experience, going to the theater, being in a room with a bunch of other people for the most part who are there because they love the same fandom as you or whatever. I love those, like like going to see fucking star Wars in a theater with star Wars fans as you know, some of them could be asshats, but for the most part, it's a, it's a pleasurable experience, you know, and, and those are things that I, I, I enjoy. So not being able to experience, experience that now with COVID it sucked. And especially with everything being pushed back, but when we do get the, the, the all clear to be able to do normal things again, you know, I would love to go back to the movie theater. I don't think for me that I'm never going to not go back to the theater. But it's nice that, you know, we have the option to be able to see these movies like Wonder Woman will be out on what Christmas Day on on HBO Max, which that's pretty fucking cool. And luckily for me, I got a 14 day free trial that I'm going to use just for that. Nice. And then I might can take a break from watching a Christmas story on its 24 hour marathon to watch Wonder Woman 1984. I, I might wait and no, you know what? Oh no. Cause it won't, if it's Christmas day, that's bullshit. Maybe the, I want to go to the fucking seven o'clock. I want the seven o'clock showing on Christmas Eve at my house. You see, that's the thing that I want to do. 
Christmas Story is one of my favorite Christmas movies because it has a lot of sentimental value because I remember going to see it with my mom and my sister at the Whitehall Theater. So I, I've always had a soft spot for that movie. Oh, there was a, I know, we're, we're just, we keep going and we should end this. But one more thing. <laughs> it's an Apple exclusive and one more thing. Uh, <laughs> Netflix released uh, two episodes of the, it was the holiday movies that made us. And it was Elf and Nightmare Before Christmas, which Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas is one of my favorite Christmas movies, Halloween movies, holiday movies, whatever, of all time. So I, I, I watched that and the Elf one, and they were both highly enjoyable to see the behind the scenes. And it's nice because John Favreau, who directed Elf, there was stuff about him with technology and all this other shit. Like, I mean, everything he's doing for The Mandalorian and because he did for The Lion King and and The Jungle Book and everything, you know, it's just seeing because Elf was like one, like his second movie or whatever that he directed. So it, it was it was really early on in his career. And it's just cool to see some of the behind the scenes of all, how all that came about. It's just in, in how much input he really had into like design and everything in the, I don't want to spoil anything for you or anyone who hasn't watched it. So go watch it and then we'll talk about it. Cause it was really interesting, but that's all I have. Fair enough. So cool. Okay. Well, I hope everyone had a good holiday and it's nice to be back and hopefully we'll see you again the following week and the yeah. following week and the following week. We will try to make this all happen, but, uh, you know, everyone, you know, stay safe, wear a mask. Let's hope that 2021, we're going to, we're going to be bef- here before 2021. So we'll see you again in 2020. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay alive because stay alive. you have to have something to look forward to and that can yes. be us. Yes. So keep it sleazy, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>